0: Hello everyone welcome back to episode 71 thank you very much for joining me and as always thank you for all your reviews they really helped me grow the podcast so I'm very very grateful for them. So I'm going to jump right into it this week I am talking about a book called 12 Rules for Life by a man called Jordan Peterson and I'm going to get started because I've got fucking loads of notes here and I don't know how long I'm going to keep you. So bear with me and it was because last week I was at someone's house and they had a quote up on the wall in the kitchen from Jordan Peterson and I was reading it and it gave me an idea to do an episode on it because quite a while ago I did a journal activity that I really enjoyed and it was based on this book that he wrote called 12 Rules for Life. The other day, I bought some frames to make some art for my walls because my mum keeps saying that my house is bare as fuck and I really like playing walls, but she does have a point. It kind of looks like I have just moved in recently. So I thought I'm going to put those together and put them in a frame and put them up on the wall as like a little piece of artwork in my living room. So now was the perfect time to record an episode on it. Now, as you've probably gathered, I am not a massive fan of rules in general. Don't know if you do that, but I'm not. In fact, I just kind of ignore them completely most of the time. But there are value in these ones that Jordan Peterson has written. So it's a pretty famous book. You've probably heard of it. Um, you might have even read it. If you have, I'll see you next week. <laughs> I'm only joking. Obviously, don't leave me. Stay, please. Jordan Peterson is a very, very wise and quite surprisingly emotional man when you get into more of his stuff. But when I first saw him or when I first came across him, I wasn't a big fan. And now I am definitely a big fan. And I've noticed that some of the stuff that you see online about him is a bit skewed. I don't agree with all his opinions, but he's often portrayed incorrectly. And what I mean by that is that people take little snippets of his speeches and his interviews completely out of context post them on social media without the full clip and they don't sound great when you first hear them. It sounds quite controversial but if you listen to the full interviews and the full speeches they make a lot of sense in most cases. So I know a few other people that think that they don't like him very much and if you're one of those people then I would definitely encourage you to go and watch some of those longer interviews and videos after this. On YouTube before you make your mind up about him. In his book he writes about this set of rules that he lives by which align with his values so I'm going to talk about each one of those and the first one is to stand up straight with your shoulders back and he talks about how doing that is actually kind of the opposite of um an aggressive sort of pause it's more like a vulnerable pause because you're not crouched down you're not defending yourself you're not safe from harm you're putting yourself out there and it'll give you the courage to face what you're afraid of and like voluntarily confront your fears so when we choose to confront something that we're afraid of or we kind of have to we get into that situation then like we do instinctively adopt that stance it naturally Um, happens you start putting your shoulders back and you put your chin up and your chest out and it it conveys a lot of confidence which can help you in all kinds of situations but it gives you more inner strength and more power and your fears have then got less control over you so imagine what might change if you went about your day tomorrow just doing everything like all your everyday shit but stood up straight with your shoulders back, like how much more confident would you feel um, and how much better your interactions with, like people will say, chin up, tits out around here. That's a commonly used piece of advice <laughs> for when you're facing something that might be a bit difficult. So when you add that to your everyday life, and you're not necessarily facing a fear, you're going to really amplify all of those feelings of confidence and feelings of power. Then you'll have better success in whatever you're doing that day, even if you just like going in post office for, I don't know, a second class stamp, who knows. So the second one is to treat yourself like someone that you're responsible for looking after. And we will often mistreat ourselves, particularly when we're feeling unworthy for one reason or another. And then that can develop into this negative cycle because the more unworthy that you're feeling, then the less likely we are to take good care of ourselves. I know from personal experience, the chapter of my life when I had probably the lowest self-worth I'd ever had, I'm sure you can guess when that was. But that also coincided with this section of my life where I lived solely and I mean solely on large family boxes of Maltesers and bottles of Prosecco and I was not living my best life. I lied on the couch all day, had no sleep schedule, didn't walk any further than to the fridge and back. I was not thriving <laughs> But thankfully, at some point, I think probably the point where I felt like I was going to get scurvy, then I started to treat myself like somebody I was responsible for taking care of because I realised, oh shit, I am. I've got to look after myself. And slowly as I did that, I started to treat myself as a priority and climb back out of that place, that negative place that I didn't want to be in, rather than keep letting it loop around forever. To become a valuable person the one that you already are, or at least the one that you have the potential to be, then you have to treat yourself as if you were a person of value so that you can step into becoming that version of yourself. So when you treat yourself this way, you're actually also teaching others to value you too. And they're going to then treat you in a way that reflects that sense of value. You're not going to be settling for the bare minimum in whatever it is, your relationships, whether it's a partner, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's with family members, the way that you treat yourself sets the bar on what treatment you accept from other people. So just make sure that you set that by high, by high, by high, by high. (laughs) I could edit that out, but I won't. Bar high, set the bar high so that people know how to treat you. And you have to kind of start looking at yourself as you would someone who you love that needs to be taken care of, like a child, because we all have a child in us. Like that's like in a child, it's us when we were little. What would you do now to look after that child and do that for your adult self as well? Okay, rule number three. So that one is make friends with the people who want the best for you. Very important. These are the type of people that are going to allow you to grow and to step into your power and who are going to celebrate all of your successes with you and have good intentions for you only. Your circle should only have people in it that want you to win without any jealousy or without negativity or without being cynical or feeling bitter about it. Only allow people who want you to win into your circle that doesn't mean you have to cut everybody off that doesn't feel like that. It just means don't let anybody be in that energy with you regularly if they're not on that vibe. They're the kind of people who you know would speak well about you when you're not there in the room and they would mention your name when they hear any opportunities that might fit you. So if your intuition is telling you that a person that is currently in your close circle is not meeting that criteria then they need to fucking go, because as difficult as that might be, and trust me, I fucking get it, I get it, believe me, that has probably been one of my hardest lessons, but you've got to set boundaries, because those people are going to be pulling on your energy, not even necessarily on purpose, they just will naturally, so you need to put some distance between anybody that you feel is not there to 100% support you, and support you in this new evolved version of yourself or evolving. And I've only got now a handful of people who are in my close circle these days. And I'm absolutely okay with that because um, that's all I need. Quality, not quantity. And some of them are actually not people that you might um, expect. They're not people who have been in my life for a particularly long time. Some of them are pretty short time, in fact. But I trust that all these people that I share my energy with want me to win and that is exactly how I feel towards them too. So just remember that there is space for everyone to win. There's space at the top for everyone and their success doesn't mean your failure and vice versa. So rule number four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not someone else's today. Because first off, the people that we compare ourselves to are often people we don't even actually fucking know aren't they we don't tend to compare ourselves to people that we're close to like friends or anything like that probably because we've got a clearer picture that they've also got normal life shit going on in their lives as well just like you or just like me and if we do maybe it might be a comparison between siblings like for example one might earn more money or have a I don't know, a more stable job or they might own a house or one might have kids, one might be married. But ultimately that comparison is probably more linked to who's likely to get more approval from your parents um, because maybe they followed like a safer path and saved up in the twenties while you were out on a bender, just having a fucking good time in your thirties. And neither of those are better or worse than each other in any way. So they still can't compare but generally we mostly compare ourselves to like ideals in the media or on Instagram like influences posting very well uh, orchestrated pictures of them like eating fucking floating breakfast in Bali and stuff when they're 23 and you're like feeling shit when you're sat in your office at 35 but we're comparing ourselves to people whose job it is to sell an image of a lifestyle it, it's a fucking illusion it's not real it's like a highlight reel of um sponsored ads <laughs> and if you don't believe me go and watch a film called keeping up with the joneses it's a pretty old film now but it's fucking well good and it shows you exactly um what you're comparing yourself to basically an illusion So whoever you're comparing yourself to is completely irrelevant because they're not you. They don't have your life experiences or your talents and your skills. They don't have your um, sense of humour and your way of thinking and how you view the world. So there's really no one at all that you can compare yourself in a fair test to other than who you were yesterday. So did you make any tiny improvements today compared to yesterday? And if not... Think about how you can do that tomorrow so that the version of you tomorrow is going to be better than the one today. It doesn't matter if it's better or worse than anybody else because it can't be because you can't compare yourself because you are just a fucking little unicorn. Number five, (laughs) I like this one, is do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. (laughs) Uh, Controversial. So again, like I mentioned earlier, if you just read that as it is and you didn't go into it, then you might not like Jordan Peterson. You might think he's very opinionated and maybe a little bit rude or judgy, but you might just read it and think, I like this guy like I did. So, um, no, what he talks about in this bit is very interesting. He says that he's had friends over the years bring around children to his house and because the parents of these children had not taught them the meaning of no or that they can't, you know, always have everything their own way, which is kind of yeah, I don't know about if I agree with that. I feel like you can have your own way. But we'll get, you know, there's time for them to learn how to do that. But you know what I mean? Like the the kids that just don't understand the meaning of no you can't do that or you can't have it. And usually the parents are doing that and I can see exactly why, out of fear that it would like infringe on the free you know, like the freedom to choose. Um so what happens, he says is that because there are no boundaries for this child and no real like guidelines, then the parent has to run around behind them 24 hours a day in case they break something or in case they get themselves into danger. So in reality, while they're trying to not infringe on the freedom, that child has very little freedom. And I think that's definitely true. So don't come at me because I'm not a parent. I know there is a reason for that. And the reason is, fuck that shit. It looks well hard work. But I do feel like when I was a kid, I had quite a lot of freedom because I knew the rules um, or the boundaries and I I could be trusted not to go past them probably because I'd have got a clip around the ear. I don't know. You know, like, do that now, eh? No, they didn't really. Well, not often. Um, And I felt, very much like this about my classes I didn't clip them around right there, I promise you um but I really loved all of the kids that I taught because you do love them you get so close to them they like you your kids they like yours but I also really like them as people and that's because I think that as a teacher I had very very clear simple rules that benefited everybody in the classroom including them And they understood my expectation of them because I was really clear about them at the beginning of the year. And because they understood that and we had that respect, I could give them a lot more freedom. I didn't need to be stood over them like a hawk to check that they were doing what I'd asked them to do. I didn't have to like bollock them for ridiculous things like talking during a lesson or try and make them work in silence. It wasn't necessary because I knew that because we all understood those boundaries and those rules. When I needed their attention, they'd give it to me straight away. I'd just like there'd be some kind of signal and I'd, I'd you know, shake a maraca actually. I had a little maraca. Um it was called Pedro, he had a Mexican hat on. Um and they would give me their attention so that I could speak to them for whatever it was. And I knew that they would, you know, make mistakes and so we we celebrated their attempts even when they'd got things incorrect. And I do think that kids need guidance and giving children some kind of first structure to develop in that's not just you, you know, telling them what to do all the time, but so that they understand these boundaries and why they're there will have massive positive impacts on the sort of person that they become when they're adults. So yeah, that's number five. Number six is to set your house in perfect order before you criticise the world. And it's very easy to like look at the world and other people through a critical lens. But sometimes we are prioritising, blaming and judging and being outspoken about the outside before we look inside at our own lives. And Jordan Peterson talks about starting with small things around you, like looking around your room and thinking whether whether you like it or not. Is this a space that you enjoy? And if not, find out why is it messy? If it is messy, clean it up. Is the paint peeling? decorate it if something broken fix it so start making changes where you are not looking outwards and um blaming and judging and being critical of things that are not solely under your control because you can make a contribution to improving the world starting exactly where you are another example of that might be when we kind of look to the news for a feeding of pure bullshit i hope that you don't look at the news by now but um if you do and then you start giving your opinion on like the failings of everything else and what's going on so you might be criticizing like a company that's on the news that have um negatively impacted the environment maybe it's been like an oil spill or something like that and it's very sensationalized on the telly and gets everybody riled up but then you're not recycling your own shit like you're putting plastic bottles in the bin or whatever it is um So maybe it might be something like you were feeling like really annoyed or upset about all the walls that are going on while you're arguing the toss with your neighbor over a parking spot. Like, So we can take care of everything that we can do personally to make it a nicer, better place for yourself and others and do it in any small way possible rather than spending your time and your energy pointing out the flaws of the world and make your bed. That's another one. He always talks about matey bed. It's a domino effect. It's true. It is true. Uh, what time are we on? 17 minutes. We're halfway, guys. I'm, I might be keeping you 40 minutes. Go and get a butter if you need one. So, number seven is pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient, which is basically like uh, what's proper, unlike what's expected and what looks good and it's probably the main basis of this whole podcast <laughs> my vibe is exactly this like live your life as fully and as happily as you can whilst also trying to have a positive impact in however you feel drawn to do that and that is such an important message doing things that make a difference to yourself and to other people and not letting other people dictate how you live your life, and that might be a person, it might be family members, or it could just be the social norms that we've accepted, and that we've fucking blindly power through all our life without even thinking whether we want to do it or not, or whether it makes us feel happy, Um, and although I personally believe that, like, this life, well, this life does end, but life as a whole doesn't end, I definitely agree with the fact that this goal that we get around in this human suit, whatever we, whatever life we're living now, is relatively short. So we don't want to waste the years that we've got here doing things that are shallow just to make yourself look good in front of others, like buying shit that you don't want and doing shit that you don't want to impress other people that you don't even like so make that a priority pursue what is meaningful not what's expedient just doing things that bring you joy and make you feel like you are living out your purpose so number eight is tell the truth or at least don't lie a great rule this is another one that I tried very hard to instill in all of the kids that I taught in my classes and I still do now um and that was that I would never be more cross with them for just admitting what they'd done that they felt was wrong than I would if they spent like hours trying to wriggle out of it and pass the blame to everyone and I would also you know make sure that they knew I'd do my best to help them resolve it and kind of give them a bit of praise for telling the truth regardless of whatever shitstorm they may have created and whatever fucking lesson I was going to be an hour behind on now trying to sort it out because I think that's really really important that um, kids in, in particular know that You'll always come out better if you tell the truth, whatever has happened. So there are two reasons for lying, according to Jordan Peterson, and one is to save someone's feelings and the other one is to protect ourselves from some sort of consequence. And that last one's obviously because we're fearful of what will happen to us if we own up. And the worse the thing is that we've done, the harder it is to own up because we naturally try and like preserve ourselves. We don't want any consequences. It's fearful. We're scared of that. So we'll be inclined to lie to get out of it. Um, but the other one, when we lie to save someone's feelings, we feel like we're doing that and we are doing it from a good place. But in the long run, we are usually still causing some sort of damage in one way or another. And obviously, there's a massive scale to that one. So if you were to tell somebody that you love them when you don't, then you're leading them down the wrong path. And at some point in the future, you're probably going to, like, break their heart or whatever. If you tell someone that you loved the cake that they made and it was shit, like, you're just going to end up with shit cake. Like, it's not a big deal. But the choice is yours. So... Yeah, telling that that's quite a hard one, I think, is whether you tell a little white lie to save someone's feelings. But I suppose it depends on what the situation is. Um, And the telling the truth part of that rule, because it's tell the truth or at least don't lie, is the hardest part of all. Because like I've mentioned in earlier podcasts, when you start being yourself and speaking what you believe to be true, not everyone is going to like that and you will lose a lot of people along the way. You'll lose the right people to make space for, um, no, sorry, you'll lose the wrong ones, the ones that you don't need, to make space for the right ones that you do need. But you do lose people along the way when you start telling the truth and it takes a lot of courage to tell someone the truth. Um, but what do they say? What's that? The truth shall set you free. It's it's true, it's true. Um, and you'll become the type of person that people trust, and it'll lead to better connections, healthy relationships, and all of that good shit. So number nine is assume that the person you are listening to might know something you don't. <laughs> it's hard to believe when you're a fucking know-it-all like me, but teaching yourself <laughs> to listen is a very useful skill that's going to benefit you a lot often. Very often, and I include myself 100% in this, when we're having a conversation with someone, we're not really listening to what they're going to say, are we? We're just waiting for our turn to speak. (laughs) And if you are anything like me and your brain is of the ADHD variety, (laughs) this is graft. This is hard graft to not... Just be waiting to speak and to actually listen to what the person said. And I am really constantly reminding myself of that on a daily basis and training myself to be a better listener. Um, and making sure that everybody else gets heard my mum thinks it's absolutely hilarious watching me and my dad have a conversation because we're just constantly fighting for the spotlight at all times and it is probably one of the only traits that's like an adhd thing that I, i really don't like about myself but it's fine i'm getting over it it's improving So I learn really well from listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and the reason for that is that I don't have any chance to speak so I actually have to listen instead. So whoever you meet, regardless of whether they're like younger or older or higher or lower ranking in a job status or have got more or less followers and all that shit, more money or less money, try and listen to every person and what they have to say that you come across, because they've all got different life experiences to you, and I'm a big, big believer that we don't just cross each other's paths accidentally. Everyone you meet has been put there as either a lesson or a blessing, and they've got a message for you, so listen carefully, and I shall try to do the same. Number 10, be precise in your speech. This is the reason I've spent all afternoon... Editing notes to try and be more precise in this episode because I had a lot to say. There's a lot of content in this book that I wanted to talk about. He says that being precise in your speech does two things. And the first one is that it expresses your goal, and the second is that it reduces uncertainty. So basically, that means that you can see what you are aiming for clearly and you've got a much better chance of hitting the target. And he talks in this part about how we only see what is in front of us. And even that is through very blurred vision. We only see what we're paying attention to, which is generally what we want, what we're looking for. So the world then reflects that image back. It shows you what you're looking for because you've zoned into it. Now, I'm not sure... If Jordan would be a big fan of my podcast based on this rule, because he's encouraging us to get rid of all the filler words and sounds. And as you can imagine, I am so familiar <laughs> with um, 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 by now that I can actually recognize them through just looking at a sound bite on a screen. And it's one that I could do with working on. In fact, I have definitely edited out far more ums and ohs out of this episode than I normally would have. Um, <laughs> I'll leave that one in for good measure but it's a skill so he says that he believes that all of our words have power and I would absolutely agree there if we've taken anything from rule number nine that was assumed the person you're listening to might know something you don't it's that we are all inclined to speak more than we listen so therefore as speakers and we are all speakers in one way or another we need to use the allocation of attention we get from the other person to speak our message clearly his advice on this rule is to arm yourself with words so in addition to all of that from a manifestation point of view every single word that we speak is a vibration in the energetic field that we're in and frequencies match frequencies so by speaking clearly and truthfully and with confidence we're attracting more of what we'd like to experience in our 3d reality towards us Speak what you seek until you see what you said. So number 11, I like this one, is don't bother children while they're skateboarding. Which I didn't understand at all until I read it. I did not know where this one was going. And the message behind this one is about courage and your ability to take risks. So he talks about how encouraging children is often confused with sheltering them from any risk and that as parents or just as adults in general, particularly when you work with them like I do I suppose, that we allow our own fears and limitations to impact on their capacity to learn from situations that have risk involved. So he uses the example of seeing a child skateboarding and this child is about to do something that involves some kind of danger or risk, and how if we were to interfere with that, it would be to interfere with the child's willingness to voluntarily expose themselves to these risks that they need in order to thrive, and warns us that if we do that, these children are going to develop into adults who are ill-equipped to take on the world and the challenges that they'll come across, And they're going to avoid risk and potentially live quite a small life out of fear of, you know, putting themselves out there. And I definitely agree with that. I think that although we need to protect kids, protecting them from any risk of harm has become more and more. And all I can say at the risk of sounding like an absolute old bastard, in my day, back in the 90s, there was a significantly higher number of scabby knees than there is now. We were sniffing Pritt sticks. I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't recommend that, but it wasn't like a good summer if no one in your friendship circle came back in September with a cast on. Like That was just commonplace. And now, generally speaking, children are wrapped in a thicker layer of bubble wrap. But That's an important message because whether you have children or not, we all know children, we all influence children in some way. So, we need to be willing to allow them to feel okay with taking risks and potentially, you know, getting hurt. Not extremely, though. Please don't sue me if your kid falls off a fucking climbing frame. So, number 12, finally, and I think I've made pretty good time there, guys. I think I must have been speaking precisely. Um, But this is my favourite. It's definitely the most important rule of all and it's pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. Amen to that. If you ignore all the other 11, please just take this one in. So (laughs) this one's actually about overcoming tragedy, which is something that we all experience at some point and in varying degrees in our life and not just our own tragedies, but the tragedies of people around us that we care about and ones that are happening in the world in general and Jordan Peterson makes a point of always stopping, no matter how busy he is, he will always stop to pet a cat, stroke, give it a little stroke when he sees one. And I'm fucking here for it. I like that about him. He has won me over purely with that final rule. And he says that when life is hard, that you have these little moments where the light will shine through, even if there's only a tiny little crack in the clouds. Um, taking a second to be present is a fantastic piece of advice that I agree with him on 100% because it's in those worst times of your life that just noticing the smallest bit of good is the most important, the most valuable. And a simple act of kindness, like just stopping to stroke a cat, is good for you. It's good for the cat. It's good for everybody's soul. So it benefits everyone. And that is the last of Jordan's rules. So I have a little challenge for you now. First of all, if you haven't joined us in our private Facebook group yet, please do. It's not the page, it's the group you have to ask to join. We are loving life in there. There's about 500 of us, I think now. So come on down, come and join us. And when you're in there, I would love you to share with me your 12 rules for life. And I've done this in my journal and I I had so many, they just kept coming out and I ended up with 24, but I'm going to try and condense them. Into my top 12 and make them into a piece of art for my wall. But you don't have to do a Neil Buchanan. You don't have to do that. Just write them down somewhere and post them in the group because I would really, really love to read them. So I hope that you've enjoyed that episode and I will speak to you all on Monday, unless you're in the Vibe Tribe, in which case I will see you tomorrow on the 8th of August at 8 pm for the Lionsgate Portal, ready to manifest some good shit for the rest of the year. So have a fantastic week and I will speak to you soon. Bye.